0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Welcome to the show. The interview subject I have lined up for you is Max Cavallera. I think I'm up to half a dozen or seven conversations with him for the podcast series. It's always a joy to talk to the man, I must say. And I reckon this is my favorite conversation thus far. They just get better and better. Now, the catalyst for the chat with him is Go Ahead and Die's debut album, which will be released 11th of June via Nuclear Blast. Now, regular listeners to the show will know I've already interviewed his son, Igor Amadeus, Cavalera. Uh, So I don't dive into as much detail about the album here with Max because I've already done that with Igor. I thought I'd open it up a little bit. As you all know, well, regular listeners anyway, will know that I like to do. So I'll talk about Max's role as one of the godfathers of extreme metal because that is the case. I know a lot of people don't like to acknowledge Max and indeed South American heavy metal as the forefathers or amongst the forefathers probably I should say of our great and respected genre of extreme metal but go go back into Wikipedia and have a look. You can see the sarcophago albums and Volcano or Volcano I think is the band is pronounced in Portuguese and Sepultura they all came out. Around about, or actually in in Sarcophago's case, I think it's before, no, Volcano's case, it's definitely before Possessed. And I'm not saying they even sound the same, but it's got that gruff, guttural energy. And Bestial Devastation is, uh, that's extreme metal, either way you want to sort of shift it. Just a very uh, primitive version of it in the early 80s there as it was written, recorded in 1985, maybe 1984 anyway, released in 1985, but um, you can only imagine Max and Igor, his brother, Igor I'm talking about this time around, sitting in their place there in Sao Paulo, churning out some riffs and some heavy beats and thinking, we're onto some pretty cool shit here. Oops, there goes my eBay alert, turn that off. So anyway, here he is, the great man, Max Cavalera.
1: Killing technology.
0: Killing technology, good
1: old boybots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening, um, brother.
2: <laughs> well, it, it is. It's, it's so weird. I, I don't know. I, I, I actually checked. Because of what happened with Dino, I checked your link like three times to make sure it worked. And then I, I interviewed I interviewed a lot of indie bands as well as you, you, you know, excuse me for saying it, but the rock stars, yourself and Dino. And this band from Steelborn, which is a band from Denmark, keeps on coming up now. And uh, I have no idea what's going on, but it's good to finally, it's not finally, got I've spoken to you half a dozen, I think, seven or eight times at this point uh, by now. But how have you been otherwise? How's life treating you? Good. Can you can you see me and hear me okay? I can hear loud and clear. Yeah, you can hear everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm doing okay, man. Thank you. Yeah, I got my vaccination, so it seems like things are going a bit back to normal. Here in the States, um, there's some talks about touring starting to happening again since August, September. So we're we're very hopeful, you know.
2: I'm very hopeful too that you guys can get down here. But look, before I I talk about what you've been doing with Go Ahead and Die, I need to give you this feedback and I hope this is appropriate. I had a conversation with Igor, your son, on Saturday. And... uh, my God, is he an impressive young man or what? You know, I, I told him the story about how I wouldn't expect you to remember this. And I know I've recounted this story every time, but I, I met you in the Hotel Roosevelt in Los Angeles and you had your family with you and you stood dutifully for five minutes whilst I got a pen from a very reluctant receptionist. And I, I, I couldn't remember who was who in the family between Zion and, and Igor there, but it's just so lovely to see that these young men, the young, these boys, Infants have become young men, and they're just such great representatives of our genre at the moment. So I just wanted to give you that feedback.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of of, uh, uh, of both of them, you know. And I get to jam with both, you know, both of them in different bands and, and even um, other, you know. We have I have a stepson also, Richie, that is an inside uh, great frontman. Jason would sometimes work as a road crew. So we have a full metal house, you know, Um, but I'm very, very I think, you know, Igor is like an old soul. He's he's, he's, he's very much like an old soul. Like, I I don't feel he's much wiser and older than the actual age that he's in. You know, he writes, uh, you know, all her books like Stephen King. And it was so cool to make this record with him because I let him, took charge. It was more like his baby than mine. I let him run with it. Like, take the... You know, uh, carry this load, if you will. Like, Let's make this together, but I'm going to give you a lot of responsibility and you better be up to the task. And he was, man. And he played all the bass on the whole record. Mm. Um, we, we share all the riffs. And he was... It was so funny because he's a... He's more used to do lyrics than me. I hate doing lyrics. I never like it. I'm, I'm, I'm caveman like that. And he was kind of like a lyric police. I'll write a line and you'll be like, oh, come on. Come on, pops. You already said the line 10 times in your career. You you cannot use those, you know, you sing that already. <laughs> and yeah. I'll be like, OK, I can do better. I can do better. So I'll come up with a new line and a new word and a new idea. Um, but we, we shared everything like that on the record, which was great. It was really, a, it was really a, a bonding experience to make this record with him. And I really wanted to, because I, I always been, I always bonded with him because I don't know if he told you, but he had diabetes when he was one.
2: No, he didn't
1: say that, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times, there, there was a lot of times where I did a concert, and right after the concert i had to give him a shot of mm. insulin you know and and i you know between me and gloria we were the the keepers of, of his health and and a lot of times we were like after right after a show i'll be doing finger pokes and doing insulin yeah. shots you know and 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 he was in florida when the pandemic hit and he was trying to escape the pandemic. So he came to Arizona and I wanted to do something so I don't lose my mind with this pandemic. So we decided to make a record and it was really uh, just just an amazing time together making the record. And I was, I'm so impressed with him and very, very proud and impressed, you know?
2: I've, I've got to ask, and I ho- again, uh, I hope it's okay that I can ask a question like this, but you've got your shit together both yourself and as a family. So I haven't spoken to Zion yet, but I imagine he's not, not too far away from the sort of character type that I, uh, I discovered during my half an hour conversation with Igor. But yourself and Gloria, you haven't had it easy. You've had a lot of opposition through the years. And your kids have just have matured into such marvellous young men. What do, what do you think the secret is? Or is there no secret? Is it just because you're decent human beings and you've just got light within your soul?
1: I think mean, one of the main things is that we took them around the world. And so they had a, 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 a very firsthand um, education that you don't get in any school that you only get it if you're traveling, you know? So what we saw in countries like Russia and and Indonesia, and they were all with us in a lot of these travel travelings that are most of them my kids mm-hmm. were with us on, the, on those travelings I think that really kind of opened their eyes and make uh, made them also less uh, spoiled like uh, here in America there's so much there's so many people that are just spoiled you know they have everything and they still complaining you know. And so you got like once you tour the world and you see other countries that are having way harder than you you know lifestyle like real real harsh lifestyle and of course I come from Brazil, uh, and, and and you know we were really poor you know my mom had to take care of me and Igor and my sister and we used, we li- we used to live in one little shack, uh in the back, back room of my grandma's house. Um, and so we, we know how it is to work for what you want, you know, to really, really, um, be wanting something real bad that you really have to work hard for it. It's not, nobody's Mm going to give that to you. You have to go and get it, you know? Um, so I think that those things really made an impression on them. And, um, I think they, and the other side of it, I think they're much more, mellow than i was at that age i was doing all kinds of fucked up drugs and you know i was just a bastard touching everything and being wild well. <laughs> and and i understand if they did it but they they don't really care for that so i got lucky on that department you know you don't have yeah. to worry about it you know because i've seen a lot of other families that struggle with that um and that would have be been something that it crossed my mind at some point like oh man what if one of them gets addicted to one of those things like uh, that I even I was addicted like alcohol and and, and drugs you know um, but none of them did and it's great I love it you know sometimes uh, I even say you guys can go really wild a little bit on tour and so you can just you know go wild you know you have per- you have my permission to go wild <laughs> They just don't want to, you know. It's okay, like whatever, you know, uh, is whatever they they want. But they are very happy with what they're doing. And I, yeah. I told them that's the key to happiness: is do what you love. If you, if you do what you love, you don't have to work one day in your life. And that's yeah. true, you know.
2: You're you're a very good example of that. But look, I, I've got a and what what you say there, as I say, set up the top there. The impression that I got is that Igor is well adjusted. And God knows there are so many kids these days, like you mentioned, in in America, as the same in Australia, mate, where they they're spoiled, yet they think they've got nothing and they complain and they binge and witch and they whinge and they moan. But with with a young man like Eagle, um and the project here, Go Ahead and Die. Now I asked him this question and I won't tell you what he said to me, but I'm interested and I'm curious to your response. Did you who was the leader in this? Did you have to follow his instructions or was it more collaborative?
1: I, I approach as wanted to give him a lot of responsibilities. That's mm-hmm. why I said you should uh, play all the bass and um, we should do the riffs together because we're both guitar players. So we share the riffs and we share the lyrics. But um, one thing that was funny, I, I kept pushing to give, Try to get more people in the band and Igor really didn't want that. He wanted to be really a, a father and son thing, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad that he did that because otherwise it would have just turned into uh, maybe a Killer BQ part two, just a yeah. super group of death metal, you know, death trash metal players. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not really why we did this. We did it in the first place was. just... For, for the bond that I have musically with him. Uh, in fact, the whole record, we, we wrote the whole record together in a demo format with Drum Machine. And once, once Zach, the drummer, got involved, everything was already written. We didn't even have to mm-hmm. write anything new. And we didn't really change much in the studio. We kept, uh, Igor is very much, he, he knows what he likes and he hates when I start changing stuff. So a lot of the times I wanted to keep changing the riffs. I wanted to keep fucking, and he's like, stop, stop. It's good. And I'm glad that, um, I'm glad that I agree with him. And now to me it feels like the record is very much uh, as primitive as it was first realized. You know, we yeah. didn't really because I think you can ruin it by overthinking it. If you overthink, especially in this kind of music. So I like the fact that that the go ahead and die record, it's very primitive, very raw caveman. We call it caveman metal, you know. Um, but it's the attraction, is it, it's what attracted me to punk rock when I was young, is that anybody could do it. You know, you don't have to be a virtuoso yeah. like Edwin Halen. You know so anybody that knew some riffs could do it, and that's that's really cool,
2: yes, indeed. I what I mentioned to him that to me it sounds like very early 90s Sepultura, cross between discharge and a bit of napalm, death, and destruction mixed in there as well. Do you, do you agree with those comments?
1: Yeah, the I think the marriage I was trying to do musically first was. The, the the two bands that we kind of were kind of molding this thing were Discharge and Celtic Frost. Oh, um, nice, Jesus. Um, Celtic but Frost. But then, yeah. but then on this on this tree, so it was like a like a big tree, and on the branches you would be stuff like Napalm Death, Carcass, Entombed, a little bit of uh, possessed, you know, a little bit of. A lot of uh, the punk hardcore, extreme noise terror, Concrete Socks, a lot of Finland hardcore. Um, but I think the main uh, ingredients, is, is, to me at least, I feel, I feel the main ingredients is Celtic Frost and Discharge together. And I mean, it's, it's, I love it because I love these two bands very much. So we, we had a lot of the D beats from the Discharge, and a lot of yeah. the slow, the slow Celtic Frost group. In fact, even my guitar sound is the closest I got to Tom Warrior in my whole career. Was on this record, I got really close to Tom G's guitar sound.
2: <laughs> Incredible, yeah. Now I'm just having to Google the name of the first album. Any other time, I bloody remember it. But you know the one with the red and the black cover. I get it now because you've gone for that. more you know, Yeah, there you go. And uh, what's that song that you covered with Sepultura? Um, to say uh, Procreation Procreation.
1: Of the yep you got it
2: <laughs>
1: Procreation of the weekend with the bending script that's a good that's a brilliant riff.
2: You know I think that Tom warrior got inspiration from you guys in the way that you did it. Because remember when he came back in 2006 and 2007, he tuned way down to where you guys and sepultura were tuning in the early 90s. And his version of Procreation of the Wicked that he was playing in Barkin in at like 2007 and 2008, it sounded closer to your version than it did to his version. Did you hear that?
1: No, no, I have to check that out. I should check that out. Because um, it was funny, because we, we did it in B, we tuned the guitar down to B, yeah, and I think on more details it's tuned to E standard. Yeah. and we did the song together in Zurich, and we asked Tom to play with us, and but um, we we only knew our version in B, and I gave him the guitar, and I would show him his own rip, and it was was just a really awkward moment, like. Okay, this is how we play your song. That <laughs> it should have never been like that, but he liked it. You know, he thought it was cool, and I'm really happy that that he's he, you know, that he did it again later in low tuning because I think it's just more raw, just sounds heavier with the low tuning. It's a it's perfect for that kind of music, and there's a lot of cool death metal bands that tune really low right now. Stuff like yeah. Undead. Yeah, here in America, especially like like undaaf and uh, like Necrot, I think they all tune to. Um, I believe it's G. Some of it's just, so it's even lower than B. It's like it's like real low, but you can still hear the notes, you know. So it's it's still pretty listenable.
2: I, I touched on this last time we had a conversation, but I'm, I'm I'm carrying the flag at the moment for South American extreme metal from the perspective that yourselves being early Sepultura, yourself and Igor, I'm talking about your brother. Bestial devastation came out a couple of years before Scream Bloody Gaul. Now, no doubt you're aware of that. And I know that bestial devastation sounds a bit different to stuff that came afterwards. But to me, between early Sepultura with bestial devastation, what, Volcano? I call it Volcano, but I think in Brazil it might be Volcano. And Tachycogos. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. My theory and my philosophy is that that extreme metal actually started in South America, and you're a big part of that. I've just written a book, and I've written about that. I've written exactly what my philosophy is and supported it with your releases and with the work that you did very early back then. But um, do you agree with what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the great man, Chuck Sheldina, or Trey from Morbid Angel. I worship those guys. They're just magnificent. But I think credit must go where credit is due. And I have to put it down there that you truly are, you, I have to put it to you that I believe that you, alongside of those other two bands that I mentioned, Brazilian bands, are the true godfathers of extreme metal. Care to comment?
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and um, even though a lot of the, the the media doesn't look like that, I think a lot of the bands feel like that. Especially when I talk with a lot of the when when I. Talk to a lot of the, the the black metal bands. They all really worship that sound. You know that mm. that Bastion Devastation, Morbid Visions, Sarcophago sound. You know uh, all of them from Mayhem to Urge Hall, um, to uh, Dark Funeral. All of them really respect what we did. And to me, that's cool. That's it's cool that the bands know and respect, and I like that. Um, and yeah, you know, you know, uh, I, I think interesting to me for me it's, it that my career I, I, I was able to touch so many different um, feelings and and different sides of metal that I feel very uh, blessed because you know I got to. Be part of the extreme metal, black metal movement, and then the death thrash movement, and then the groove metal movement, industrial metal with mm. nail bomb. And it continues, you know, a little bit prog with the killer be kill. Um sure. but that, I totally I, I love I love what you said, and I feel very humble. Um, but you know, in a in a way I kind of agree. But, it just it was just so raw and angry and it comes from a real angry place it's not manufactured uh, anger it's not fake anger we were really pissed we were really um ferocious at that at that time in our life that's why those recordings came out like that you know
2: it's interesting isn't it because i I like to say that australia i'm not going to say invented punk because that's not true but one of the first ever identifiable punk outfits is the Saints right here in Brisbane. Yet a lot of Americans and the British press don't acknowledge that, but that is the case. They came out before the Ramones and well before the Sex Pistols, of course, and of course that's by the same tangent in Brazil. You guys came out well before a lot of the American bands, but to your point the media, there's two things. They don't have a lot of academic rigour around their research, so they don't understand how to research appropriately and correctly. And the other thing is, I just think they're reluctant to, to because of the the many twists and turns that you've identified, in a positive sense, that your career has taken. I think they're reluctant to to actually put you on that pedestal. And it, it's always been very, uh, certainly as an adult, when I gained an awareness and an understanding of these things, I thought it was very interesting because the metal press is so European and American centric, isn't it? Yeah,
1: you know, it is what it is, man. You know, but I'm. Hmm. Super happy that you fight for us.
2: <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, they're all away, yeah. Now, um, with Go Ahead and Die, I know there's the COVID restrictions are going on, but hopefully they're lifting soon with the vaccinations happening. You mentioned up top that you got your vaccination. Um, are you planning on doing a run of shows and might we see you down here in Australia? I hope so, yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's... Especially, go ahead and die is such a kind of an easy thing to put together. It's just really, we just got to find a bass player, and it won't, will not be hard to find somebody really appropriate that can join mm-hmm. us. And, and, um, but it's we already play a lot of the stuff live, um, many, many times since the record. Came out. I did a max tracks with Igor, with the, we did, truckload oh, for yeah, everybody. um there's already it's been one of the one of the we did like a whole the whole album we play we we're hoping to somehow stream that in the future maybe in june when the record comes out but yeah you know we love to to either do a headline tour or be part of somebody else's tour i think this band will be perfect to tour with somebody like napalm deaf or carcass mm-hmm. or, or one of the you know one of the pioneers of mm-hmm. uh of, of, of that E-Rake era, <laughs> uh, and I know you know Jeff is, is Jeff actually made the logo for, for Go Ahead and Die, um, yeah. Jeff Walker, you know, and cool. uh, I, I always love Jeff's art. I know that he designed the E-Rake logo, and he designed Scum the album cover Scum. Um, so he's a brilliant artist. He's a, he's a really good artist, and and uh, and it was cool because we didn't ask him to do the Go Ahead and Die uh, logo. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I talked to Jeff like maybe two years ago, I went in the tour bus, they came here in town, I went to see their show, Um, I, you know, he's a good guy, I, and I don't know him that much, you know, I know of him, I know of Carcass, but he made that on his own, so very, very cool, you know, I hope so hopefully we get one of those tours, would be really cool, if not, we'll just do our own tour, but for sure, for sure, uh, we're gonna play live, this record yeah. deserves to be played live. It's, it'll be brilliant.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Hey, have you got another call now? booked uh, for right now? Or have we got time yeah, for a couple more yeah, questions? Yeah, unfortunately. Okay.
1: unfortunately
2: Sorry. That, yeah, we have to, to do it. Uh. Oh, well, no, doubt, mate, with, I said it last time, with how productive and how creative you are, no doubt it'll be within six months we have another chat. So I look forward to it, mate. And congratulations on everything so far again as well.
1: We'll, we'll talk again soon, brother.
2: No worries, brother. Thanks very much, eh?
1: Right, take care, man. See
0: ya. Nice sure. See ya. Well, there you have it. That's my conversation with Max Cavalera from Killer Be Killed, Go Ahead and Die, Soulfly, Chira, Nail Nailbomb. I could go on. You know who the man is. He is a legend. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in.